G'day and welcome to the Hunting Connection Podcast. My name is Zach Williams and I am your host. Here we'll connect you with hunters, fishers and outdoor enthusiasts from around the globe. This podcast will share hunting and fishing stories including past experiences and tackle the tough hunting stereotypes our community faces. We hope to be a positive influence to those outside the community while also having a laugh along the way. Hope you enjoy the podcast. G'day and welcome to a bonus episode of the Hunting Connection podcast. Uh, Today's episode, uh, we have Michael Wild from Firearm Owners United. How are you going? I'm good, thanks, Zach. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Um, So we decided to do this as a bonus episode because you guys are going to be at the Wild Deer Expo this coming weekend. That is correct. Uh, April, sorry, April, May 13th and 14th. So that is this weekend in Victoria, Lava Park, Warrigal. Beautiful. <clears throat> so we thought we'd do this this podcast to give a good background into yourself and FOU. And as FOU, Firearm Owners United is a sponsor of the podcast. Um, give everyone a, a good idea of who who Firearm Owners United are, who you are, um, and they'll be able to come down, put a face to the name and um, have a good chat. You know, if they're wanting to sign up to become members, they're going to be able to do that at the show. So let's give a background on who you are. So we started in 2015 in response to the Adler hysteria. And uh, in 2017, we became a a non-for-profit organisation, so we're officially registered. We advocate for fairer laws and a fair go for shooters and hunters, i.e. stopping random, unnecessary further restrictions and tightening of the already draconian legislation while campaigning to change certain parts of the existing legislation. Yeah, it's... It's been a crazy, crazy ride the last couple of years with a bunch of the the shit that's being proposed. Um, but yeah, thankfully we have a great board and a great team. Um, you know, the VP has been on the podcast a, a few times and he's been mentioned a lot of times, and he uh, does a lot of lot of works behind the scenes with some of the campaigns. But that's move move away from Firearm Owners United for a second. That's who are you? How'd you get into Who am it? I? Had how'd you get into your into hunting and shooting? Well, I was actually um, completely unprepared for that question. <laughs> I um grew up in a household where toy guns were banned. Yep. So like a big red button that says do not push. So <laughs> I wanted to push it. Um and I mean it kinda weirdly became an obsession for me. And eventually I ended up, oh, I turned 18. I did start shooting before I turned 18. Um, I think my parents just gave into the, I want a gun, I want a gun, I want yeah. a gun, and took me down to some ranges. And I ended up <clears throat> joining the SSAA youth training scheme, which was actually really great. It allowed me to well, learn how to shoot uh, safely and learn how to compete in competitions. And I, Back then, placed at a state level a few times. Um, not so much in my older age now. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it getting a bit bad. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, look, after that, I sort of fully got into it. You know, you go buy yourself a competition rifle or a rifle for the bunnies and then, you know, shotgun for clays. Yeah. And then uh, I had a chance to try single action shooting. So I got really heavily into cowboy shooting. Um, collecting firearms as well it just became something I wanted to do I knew a few people that were collectors essentially and um, I had you know, 100 plus guns and I'm like wow yeah I'd really love to do that <laughs> just trying to work my way there I bought number 46 the other day Glock 17 so Beautiful. we're just slowly working our way up What what's your license categories do you hold? I, uh, well, I've got your standard AB. I have a H and a L license, which is an, a Victorian license and is essentially your collector's license. Very nice. Very nice. Um, and what is your position in Firearm Owners United? I am the current president. I've been the president since 2018 when I took over the former president and one of the other founding members, um, me along with three other blokes, we were essentially what we called the founding four back in the day when we were just a mere Facebook page yep. and we expanded quickly and eventually got registered. Um, <clears throat> under my leadership, um, we managed to sort of turn the organisation into something and around. Uh, we also managed to get an apology from David Shoebridge, the New South Wales Greens leader. Beautiful. After incorrectly stating some stuff, which is one of my claim to fame. <laughs> uh, it's always always good getting getting the Greens to apologise for stuff. <laughs> so, FOU is a membership based organisation. Um, how has that come a come about had had FOU Firearm Owners United get to that stage blood sweat tears a lot of hard work a lot of digging in our own pockets to set ourselves up um, and I mean lawyers there was a lawyers fees lots of lawyers involved in the beginning um, especially with the whole non-for-profit thing like just getting the constitution written up uh, making sure we were all good with ASIC, that sort of stuff. Um, it was a, <laughs> to me, it was a time long ago now. <laughs> Somewhat of a much simpler time. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> a lot, of, lot more paperwork we push these days. <laughs> yes, I bet. I bet. So, what is the benefit of Firearm Owners United being a membership based organization? Like aiming for the the membership, so we can fight. Is that is that what the um, whole idea behind a membership based organisation is? Um, well, partly yes. Like we recently sent our submissions to the National Firearms Registry, not to the National Firearms Registry, on the National Firearms Registry to the government, as well as the Duck Hunting in Victoria inquiry. Yep. Um, we've become very good at what we do so more often than not the government actually approaches us beforehand and requests that we write one and 
those people that have read our submissions, they're well presented and exceptionally researched. We have a biologist and scientists on the board of directors. So we do produce some top quality submissions and without tooting my own hand, it's understandable. (laughs) My own horn, it's understandable why the government would approach us. Yes. Uh, We also... Yeah, well, we also run four to six campaigns a year where we yeah. write up a small letter and we send it to the relevant ministers. And um, we also actively encourage the general public to do the same and provide a template. One that people might remember is the Suppressor September campaign. And this year we've got a few good ones we're working on. Yeah, the, Last year... Oh, the su- suppressor, no, nah, all good. The suppressor September one's been mentioned on here a few times. Um, uh, yeah, last year we wrote some. Last year we wrote some proposed changes to the legislation in Victoria surrounding collectors' licenses and handgun licenses. The proposals were um, taken very well by the politicians we met with, and even Andy Medic, the leader of the Animal Justice Party at the time, said he would support it. We're planning on returning again this year. We did know that there was going to be an election in November 2022 for the state. Um, so we were waiting on the outcome before we were going to ask someone to table it. So yeah. we'll be heading back in to meet with all the new politicians, show it to them and get it tabled, hopefully. With member benefits, I mean, that's the sort of thing you're getting. You're getting hands-on, on-the-ground action, Um as you said, Daniel, my current vice president, has been on a few times. He's gone in and met his local federal MP, that sort of thing. Like You are getting us boots on the ground, going into parliament, meeting with politicians, that sort of stuff, as well as our submissions, our campaigns. And at the end of the day, we need the members to represent. And unfortunately, we also do require the funding. The ASIC levy each year to remain as a not-for-profit company is quite insane. Yeah. Um, funds also help us sponsor junior shooters. Um, one of our previous sponsored junior shooters actually went to the Tokyo Olympics. Um, the money can also help us fund ads, which we put in the paper during election time. Some people may remember some of the ones we've done in the fa- past. Yeah. And, and Awesome. So, with Sorry, the, nah, all good. Um, so the first few years, you, you covered certain things like um, the issues with the Adler stuff, um, the QCAT um, stuff with the Wedgetail, NCAT stuff. What else have you, um, if you want to go into any of those, feel feel free. What else have you done as well in the first few years? Yeah, yeah the Wedgetail one's actually a good one. That was costly <laughs> with not a great outcome in the end. Um, so we did take that to QCAT and the members, we, we ended up representing um, our members that own them. So I, just, I will point that out that that is not everyone. It was just our members. Yep. Um, had other people that, that had owned them approached us that we would have happily done it. We just had no idea who they were. And um, what happened was during proceedings, the judge actually sided with us over the police, saying the police cannot sorry, um, interpret and make up the legislation or change the legislation as they see fit. And the 
uh, wedge tails were returned to their owners um, under a stay of power. So that was only to the ones that we represented. That's awesome. And um, it was. And look, it looked like we had it all in the bag. And unfortunately, in the end, the QCAT judge did decide to side with police. Um, wasn't a great outcome, but it was something we thought till the end, and that's what we're about. Yeah, 100%. And unfortunately, it's just new things keep coming. Um, you know, we've got stuff like the WA changes, um, all the duck and quail stuff going on between Vic and... South Australia, the bow hunting stuff, which you guys have also been been fighting for um, against the proposed changes. So, um, yep, yeah, there's it's, there's it's hard. Like it's there's always a new attack coming from a different direction. Yep. You can't concentrate on one thing for too long because all of a sudden another state is trying to ban something somewhere else, and you're trying to keep your head above water and at the end of the day we like we are a 100 percent volunteer run organization no one gets paid yeah. no one gets anything We're just doing it in our own time and you're just trying to stay afloat keep your head above water um, fighting the attacks coming from every which direction in every state it is very challenging to keep up and i will say sometimes you do not manage to get something in because we just can't we can't do everything at once and things do go by and we just have to focus our attention on something over another thing. Yeah, it is definitely hard. You know, we all have full-time jobs. Um, so everything that's done is done outside of work hours um, and just member support, people doing stuff. Like everything is um, member member run, you know. Like when FOU put out the letter campaigns, people need to get on those things. They do put out good results, but without people getting behind it, you know, it's it, it can definitely be hard. And that's precisely no, that's like what you're saying is extremely true. And one other thing I'll point out is when we do meet with politicians, first question we always get asked is how many members do you have? Then they sort of pry how many around their electorate, that kind of thing. Because they want to know if they support this, uh, are they going to get votes out of it, essentially? Is it something worth their time that they're going to get a return in votes? So the more members we have, the more reach we have in around Australia and with politicians. Because realistically, they don't care about a lot except staying in. Yeah, and unfortunately... Um Shooters tend to be very vocal when stuff goes wrong, but they don't tend to get behind um, all of the stuff that they can do to help help them. You know, we're all guilty oh. of it. Um, but yeah, we all need a need a band together with all of these submission type stuff. Um, so, FOU changed direction in twenty twenty ish area what was the change of direction for fou from there um well with 2020 was covid <laughs> the height of covid and not a lot happened we were heavily involved in the uh, removal of mandatory cat hate shoots 
And in Victoria, the removal of Category C clay target shoots. If you had a semi-auto shotgun for clay target shooting, you do have to do a minimum amount of comms. And um, speaking from a Victorian perspective, LED were pretty forward, and they did end up taking our recommendation of reviewing the year after, which they also removed all attendance requirements for. So it's two years straight, which was... Uh, we didn't recommend two years straight. We recommended in March and mid-year to review the 2021, which yes. they did and cancelled. So that was great. Um, and I, we didn't, I can't take all the credit for that. I know a lot of other organisations did have input, and I think without them we probably couldn't have got the desired result around the country that we did. Um, after that, it wasn't a lot happening. <laughs> So everyone was either, I mean, especially in a Victorian perspective, locked down or um, just not going out because they didn't want to catch this deadly virus, so to speak. <laughs> and, um, so it was... Just quickly, I want to touch on something that you said then. The other organisations, you know, they put in their their submissions and stuff for what you just said as well. That's one thing that we've been finding it hard is focusing on one thing and banding together with other organizations because everyone else wants to go off their own direction and take full credit for this, full credit for that. Um, How hard is it finding other organizations to collaborate with and work together on stuff for the better outcome of the hunting and shooting communities? Look, it's extremely hard. Um, every organisation has a relationship with someone or some department and then a, uh, what's the opposite of relationship? A hate situationship where they don't get along with someone important or another department. And then you can't work with them because if you get along with that department, they see you or that person they see working with them you know, you've lost them so it is actually it's almost like just schoolgirls in the yard yeah excuse the analogy no that's <laughs> but uh it is the life of politics and that's what we deal in so it's hard um and then on top of that not all organizations see eye to eye some want to pull back and do a lot of behind the scenes stuff which is um extremely important like you do get a lot of stuff done as they say you attract more flies with honey than shit so having a good working relationship with organization with departments and politicians is better than going on the full attack and it's hard to decide whether you want to risk a relationship with a department or a politician in another state by going on the straight attack in a different state. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know that FOU has reached out to some of these other organisations to try and work on some stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's just hard to get everyone to agree on the same type of thing to to work on when everyone <coughs> wants to go in a different direction, um, unfortunately. But... Yes, we have. Uh, that's that's true. And I mean, the results have been pretty disappointing, you know, from straight up no replies to 
pushing us to their state-based counterparts when we want to take a national organization approach um, to it. But however, it, like Shooters Union, we are working on some stuff together this year that should turn out all right. Beautiful. So just quickly for what I'm saying, if you guys are a member of these other firearm advocacy groups, get in contact with them. Say, work like tell them to work with other firearms advocacy groups so that way we can fight better for these better and fairer firearm laws. Um, that's probably the best way to go about it, eh? A hundred percent, definitely. Like many hands make light work, as they say. So if we're all on one united front, and that's in our name, um, we're going to succeed more. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So earlier you mentioned about going to Parliament. Um, what have you gone to Parliament for, and what what type of what what type of stuff have you been doing when you go to Parliament? Um, so. As we all should know, and I hope we all know, gun laws are state-based. Um, unfortunately, I can't go to every state's parliament. Uh, we're all 100% volunteer, and um, I don't think spending money on plane trips and hotels to send me to different parliaments is a worthwhile expenditure. Yeah. Um, however, if you're a high, highly motivated individual and want to help out, hit us up because we're more than happy to have people represent us and head into parliament. But I obviously mainly focus on Victoria coming from there. Um, and the first time I went into parliament was two weeks before we actually went into lockdown in 2020. Um, I, I do recall it was uh, funny, man. like I do recall actually seeing Daniel Andrews walk past me <laughs> <laughs> um, while I was having a sit down with uh, a politician from the Transport Matters Party and um, Jeff Borman from the Shooters Vicious Farmers Party and the Rob Barton from the Transport Matters Party just sort of like sat up straight and like nudged his uh, offsider and then he said to Jeff Borman, he's like, that's your premier that just walked past and he walked, he was walking like he had the, you know, swinging his big dick, just walking through with all his bodyguards. <laughs> and then to see him less than a month later, all stressed out with this coronavirus stuff, he looked like he'd aged a hundred years. But um, I did meet with a variety of politicians then. And one of the things we were discussing was chief commissioner discretion powers, which is a legislation piece in Victoria that, allows the chief commissioner to reclassify firearms without it actually going through parliament, which essentially means his word is the law. So he can create gun laws as he chooses fit. Something if we refer back to the QCAT case that the Queensland police had tried to do, but it's not legislated that they could. Whereas in Victoria it is, and um, that was something – they don't use it often, but when they do, it's all the really cool guns. They just put up a category, um, <laughs> mainly mainly Cat Cs yeah. that uh, operate off an AR platform. They moved Cat D off this false belief that you can just convert them to a centerfire or get an upper 
from somewhere and you've now got a cat D firearm instead of a cat C. But that's what we were sort of focusing on then. Um, and then when I returned twice last year, our main thing was the collector's license and handgun uh, license legislation we want to change. So one of the things on the collector's licenses that we wanted to do was implement a permit-type system, kind of like your classic cars uh, registration where you pay for like 52 days, 45 days, whatever it is, and you get to drive them for that many days of your whatever, you know, your choice. You just got to log it and that you can go out and you can shoot your collector's firearms whatever day you please uh, out of range. Like we, we tried to keep the legislation not too far out there so that politicians would support it. Like we want to make slow, small, good changes. We weren't like, oh, yeah, you can go out hunting and go to private property and mag dump your semi-auto you bought for your collector's license. <laughs> we wanted to keep it as a collector's themed thing. So you're yeah. going to go to the range and you're going to use it in a proper controlled environment where we're looking at you can use it in your own time um so it's like i compete every once a week just about and um i'd love to just bring one down and have a go make sure she's all good working fine sighted in that sort of thing other than that in the state of victoria the only way you can shoot them is if you are a member of a club that does run shoots and at current there's only three clubs that run shoots in the state and then they oh, they run them approximately once a month, so they probably they run around nine or ten a year. Not doing it like skip January, you know, the holiday periods, that sort of things. Um, so we wanted to look at more freedom for you using them. And then Victoria has this lovely thing called a notification of receiving instruction. The handguns and you previously you're allowed to do it three times if you're under 18 and 10 times as an adult and then they've recently just combined it to 13 times so in your lifetime you can only shoot a handgun without a license 13 times and what happens is you use them up obtaining your license and not all of them they say to try keep some there for emergencies and later on but if you choose to let your license expire you have a break for 10 years and you want to come back and you want to get back into the sport and, you know, buy another handgun and compete again, you kind of get stuck because you can't, if you've run out of these uh, nori shoots as we call them and the club clubs won't actually sign you off unless they see you shoot. They don't want you as a member unless they can see you shoot. And if you can't shoot because you've used them all, there's nothing you can do unless you can find a club that's willing to risk allowing you in and signing off on a license without ever seeing you handle a firearm. Um, and you, you would have to do safety course again, although the legislation doesn't specify practical handling for the safety course. A lot of clubs implement it as part of the safety course yeah, wow. so that they can see you can handle, handle it proficiently. So that we just wanted to, look at how we could keep the Nori system because we know we can't get rid of it, but make it more user-friendly as in like if it resets, if you get a handgun license um, or if the club requires an, 
practical handling shoot for the safety course. It's not included as one of your 13. And these notifications for receiving instruction are in a thing. It's any time a handgun is in your hands unlicensed. Yeah, wow. So if there's someone's just showing you how to rack it, that sort of stuff, that's a notification of receiving instruction on the handgun. If you don't light fire on the day, it's still one. That's insane. Um, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, handgun laws in Australia are just absolutely pathetic. I'd, I'd definitely own handguns for hunting if we, if we could, you know. Um, do you feel that firearm laws because this is how I feel, that firearm laws in Australia are made by people that their background of firearms are watching James Bond and, and John Wick. That's that's how I feel. Like the only... I don't <laughs> think they're made by people that think it's like that, but <laughs> I think I'll go um, slightly go off from that question and what I don't want anyone to do if they ever do meet with a politician, which is going around. But I do think the general public, especially, are very Americanized when it comes to firearms. And they see we have these amazing gun laws. They don't even know gun laws vary state by state greatly. Like, yeah. you still can get, on a collector's license in most states, you can get as many semi-autos as you want. Your reason is collecting. Yeah. Like, you just can't shoot them. Um, that That is our amazing gun laws. Or locks have to have. 10 mil, 20 mil protruding out of the barrel because that's minimum barrel length on a handgun. Like, it makes no sense. It's those sort of things that are the actual gun laws, but people just think we have these amazing gun laws that stop mass shootings when it's not the guns, clearly. Like, anyone can sort of figure that out (laughs) if they had an inkling of anything, but... It's been 1996, so <clears throat> nearly um, nearly 20, 20 years since Port Arthur, and a lot of people are very dis. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Disengaged or from yeah. reality and well, from firearms because they're not around them. They don't know anything about them. People can't tell the difference between a very obviously looking plastic gel blaster and a real firearm. They just think it looks like a gun, so it must be a gun, that yeah. sort of thing. I quite often bring up appearance laws to people when they start saying how great our gun laws are. Um, I'm not not sure if Victoria has appearance laws. <laughs> but, yeah, that's... We uh, are lucky we do not. The only thing, as I said, is a cat C that runs off an AR platform becomes a cat B. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I just bring up appearance laws to, uh, you know, people when I'm on job sites talking to people about firearms and I'll be like, you know, they're banning firearms based on looks because it looks scary and they've seen a firearm that looks similar to it in a movie. <laughs> and they get, yeah, they're, they're like, really? But that's, that's, I mean, that is once again, uh, like the knowledge of the general public yeah. and the, the politicians because they just they don't understand they're not around them they have absolutely no clue no they do not it's it, it, it's very very surprising when it comes to that stuff but we'll move on um future plans well what are the future plans for firearm owners united <coughs> okay um as i said we have a few campaigns in the works this year i don't want to I don't want to spoil anything too soon. And uh, one of them we are working with Shooters Union on 
Um, we, this is something that nearly passed uh, in Parliament before, and um, we're re rehashing it, and we are confident that it has a very good shot. We've also been told by Queensland politicians that this could pass. So we're, we're hoping that one um, will come about soon. Beautiful. As I said, I'm going to head into Parliament again this year. It's Victorian Parliament, I should specify. And um, hopefully I'll be able to meet uh, – we had an election. Some of the politicians I did meet with weren't re-elected, including Andy Medic. Uh, but better the enemy you know than the one you don't. And I don't see his replacements supporting our uh, changes, yeah. whereas he did. Um, but it is what it is. We'll meet with all the new ones, and um, hopefully we'll get a chance to find someone to table it, which will put it in Parliament and it can be voted on and hopefully passed. Um, we are... And I say this a lot, very close to genuine reason in a few states, mainly the eastern side, um, which, I mean, it's good. A lot of I, a lot of people say, or a lot of shooters and fire owners say, we need an NRA-like organisation. One, that shows their lack of uh, knowledge on the NRA, because like Australia, American laws are state-based and the NRA does definitely not have its hand in all 50 states of America. Yeah. Um, they don't actually do much these days um, yeah. other than run safety courses <laughs> and <laughs> firearm handling courses. America, just to go on a little rant about it, has a lot of smaller organisations in um, each state that focus on keeping the legislation or changing any legislation that had been changed back. Um, but going back to Australia, most shooters say they want an NRA-type organisation. But the thing is they don't want to pay for it. And this yeah. is what I call the shooter's conundrum. You like you want that, but you don't want to pay for it. You only want to pay for genuine reason, but you don't want genuine reason. You want an NRA-type organisation to get rid of genuine reason. So... <laughs> It's essentially a catch-22. You don't want to pay for the organisation that will get rid of genuine reason that you don't want because you only want to pay for genuine reason. Yes, yes, exactly. And that's <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of shooters and, and hunters something. shoot himself in the foot with that. Yeah. <laughs> hypothetically. Yeah, hypothetically. Um, <laughs> well, figuratively, I should say, not hypothetically. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... It's like it's something I've thought a lot about because it was something we always wanted to do from the very beginning, and then as we got more into the ad advocacy side of things, you realise if you start with the genuine reason, you've got to maintain it. Like someone's got to be running these clubs, and what well, can't be me, and it can't be the rest of the board because we're too busy running FOU itself. Yeah. And um, our biggest thing is lack of motivation motiv motivation motivated people to run such clubs mm -hmm. so i am um, slowly building up people in each state <laughs> and uh we are very 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 close so uh, stay tuned because you soon should be able to use us as genuine reason that'd be awesome um oh yeah i mean i can ditch some of mine <laughs> <laughs> So, 
what about um, other recent developments? So um, sponsoring certain platforms to get get the voice out there and certain platforms. Uh, you're talking about that amazing podcast called the Hunting Connections Podcast. Yeah, plus uh, another another <laughs> one that you guys have jumped behind as well. So yeah, so Send It Mate Podcast is uh, another bunch of blokes we've gotten behind. Um, we have also just taken on another sponsor ourselves, which is High Caliber, so the gun Beautiful. cleaning oil manufacturer. That was um, the along uh, with our last guest on the uh, on on the podcast. Good old Ross. Yes, he was. Yep. Uh, Oz Stealth. Um, we do an amazing clothing line for hunters, and Black Carbon are our other. Well, they're our corporate sponsors, and um, they do some. Ripper targets. If you're ever into, if on the lookout for some, they do. They also do a great target frame system, which is uh, super easy. We did film um, setting them up once, and it was great. You just go go to Bunnings, buy these wood, get it cut the length you want, chuck it on top of the roof racks or in the tray with the little system they have, which is only like less than 300 mil away. 100 mil and then you just uh, bolt it together when you get where you want to be and you hang your targets off it it's great and if you shoot it thankfully the wood shooter shortage is over and it's not expensive (laughs) yeah beautiful so you you mentioned center mate podcast and at the start of the podcast we mentioned the deer expo and that you guys were going to be there so that's let's talk about that oh yes the wild deer expo so we, you'll find us at Stand B23 in the Bauble Pavilion, and we're actually going to have a new range of merchandise that we're releasing. So this isn't available online at the moment. It won't be available until after the show. Um, we're going to have specials on our existing line of products, and if uh, any members come want to buy some stuff, show a valid in-date membership card and get 5% off the new range. Beautiful. Um, Obviously, we'll be promoting and stocking our sponsors, so Ostel's clothing line, Black Carbon's targets, and Higher Caliber's gun cleaning oils. You will have the opportunity to meet the Send It Made podcast crew because they will be hanging with us. Legends. So if you want to go and have a chat with them, uh, go for your life. They'll be there. You can sign up on the spot as well, and we'll be able to print your membership card on site and hand it to you, pending no technical difficulties. <laughs> I have no idea what they're going to provide us at the moment. <laughs> so we'll jump back onto that membership thing. What does the membership cover cover, and what does it support Firearms Owners United doing? Just so everyone's aware of what their membership dollars go towards and the numbers increase. As, as membership numbers increase, what we can do more. So some of the money goes into our war chest, what we call it, which is essentially an account where we fund our court cases, that sort of thing. So the Wedgetail case cost us 15K-ish in the end. Um, And that's not the only thing we've taken to court. As I said earlier as well, we sponsor junior shooters. So some of the money just goes to 
um, ammo for them or coaching for them. Um, it also helps us exist. ASIC is very expensive for trying to run what is essentially a charity, not for profit. Um, yeah. It pays our, <laughs> our bills um, <laughs> to exist for the government. Uh, and it also it pays for things like um, printer ink, envelope stamps, all the letters that we send to politicians. Um, we don't always email stuff. Sometimes we actually send stuff by snail mail, which is also how the government sends us things from time to time when wanting, instead of just emailing us, they'll send us a mail, like we want a submission or can you tell us more about this, which is, we find very bizarre. Um, <laughs> and um, look, our merch sales go towards that as well, but the sad reality is we can't exist without money. Um, we do need it. But we've, we're not very expensive. As someone said to me yesterday, or actually this morning when he renewed, he said, oh, look, it's less than a pub meal. Like, it's good value. And I was like, yeah, cool. Actually, that's a great analogy. Uh, but on the other hand, as, look, as a member, you, you receive discounts on – um, our merch, some of our sponsors, and a wider range of products that from companies that don't actually sponsor us. We don't sponsor them; they just offer discounts. Beautiful. Um, you get and you get the front line on boots on the ground lobbying. As I said, we will go into parliament and represent you, the member. Without you, we're just going into parliament ranting. Like it means nothing without a member. The members behind us. So pretty much if you guys listening want better and fairer firearms laws, um, we can't do that without numbers and your membership. So, you know, become a member. Um, have your voice heard. You know, with it, without, without money and without numbers, it's we're not heard. We need a, need a push towards what we all, all love um, – so, yeah, if you're heading to the Deer Expo, go see the Firearm Owners United guys, sign up, buy some merchandise, check out the the sponsors stuff there, um, buy some of their gear, support Australian shooters by becoming a member and fight for fairer firearms laws. You can also sign up straight from our website or you can find us on the Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit, and um, from there you just get the link to the website and sign up if you want, or a merch store and buy something little. Um, just every little cent just helps support us. Just quickly, what's the membership cost for people that are listening? It's currently thirty dollars. So that's that's thirty dollars a year annually. Thirty dollars a year annually, yes. So thirty dollars a year. That's that's nothing, guys. You know, you want fairer firearms laws. You know, all this Facebook whinging and sucking does nothing without members behind an organization. So put your money where your mouth is, become a member of FOU. Um, you know, if there's any anything that you're worrying about um, in your state, forward it to. The FOU's email, I'm sure that's all on the website. Um, it's probably better to do that than contact through Facebook. Am I correct? Oh, yeah, definitely email us over 
sending us a Facebook message if possible. Um, just makes it easier for us to get to it and communicate with you. Exactly. And, um, yeah, we'll be, we have guys that cover all the emails and Facebook notifications as well. But, yeah, email any concerns that people have in their states about any of the up and coming proposed firearm laws, hunting laws, stuff like that. Um, and, yeah, put, put your money where your mouth is and get behind a firearms advocacy organization. That being FOU. <laughs> I wouldn't say the only one, but the best one. One hundred percent. That's a totally not biased view at all. <laughs> and make sure you get down if you're at the Deer Expo. Say get a. Um, you know, you'll have the Senate Mate podcast, which are good friends of the show. Introduce yourselves to them. Um, they're all good guys. Give them some crap if you listen to their podcast. You'll know what you can stir them up on. And, yeah, just introduce yourselves to the, the crew that's going to be at the Firearm Owners United booth. Um, who's going to be there? Well, well, you will see myself. Uh, you will, as I said, the Sender May guys. And uh, you'll probably see some other of our team members. Unfortunately, no other board members reside in Victoria anymore. <laughs> but you'll just see some of our fellow, uh, as we call, state representatives. They also volunteer their time to help out and fight for fairy gun laws. Beautiful. Well, yeah, go go introduce yourself, sign up, buy some merch, and, yeah, thank you very much, Michael, for coming on. Um, it's very weak referring to you as Michael. <laughs> it's all good. Thanks for having me. Nah, all good, mate. All good. Thank you very much for coming on, and have a good one. <laughs> See you, mate. See you later. Thank you for listening to another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. Please head over to our social media and give us a follow. Instagram at Hunting Connection Podcast, Facebook at Hunting Connection Podcast, Twitter at Hunting Connect, TikTok at Hunting Connection Podcast. If you've enjoyed, please share with your friends and family, tag us in your photos and videos on social media, subscribe, rate and review to help grow the podcast. If you're interested in giving additional support to the podcast you can head over to our podcast patreon page thank you very much for listening and catch you next episode